We've been in this uh, series, Habits of a Healthy Church. And just by way of review, let's go back and unpack some of these. And we put out banners for each one of the habits. Now, our leadership banner is in, but there was some problems with it. So Dave is working on that to get that fixed, and we'll have it up. Uh, But the very first habit that we talked about was leadership and how we as a church have got to raise up godly leaders. And we talked about in our leadership habit how at every single level of ministry at Victory Church, everyone should have an apprentice. They should have someone that they are equipping and training and that you're that you're really just giving your job away and pouring it into somebody else and raising up leaders within the church body. Uh, because there's enough work, I promise you, you'll never work yourself out of a job. Uh, there will always be something for you to do. So don't have a fear that if you give your job away, there's nothing else for you to do. No, give it away and God will create something else, I guarantee you. Uh, but we need to be training and we need good godly leaders to rise up in our church. And we're, whenever we talk about leadership and that being a very healthy habit, we're not necessarily talking about the leadership of the church. We're talking about lay leaders coming up and rising up and taking on responsibility and taking on ministries and finding their place of service and and serving there and leading in that capacity. We talked also not only about leadership, but we talked about another habit for a healthy church, and that was evangelism. And that's our outreach. That's our uh, that we that we uh, what is it reach that we reach those outside our community with the gospel of Christ. Now, the way that we uh, structured our church to do evangelism We do what's called SE, which is servant evangelism. Uh, There's different servant projects that we do from time to time to go out into community just to kind of show God's love in a practical way and uh, just connect with folks one-on-one there and and be able to do a service for them. Uh, But also creating those moments in your own life where, where you are aware of what's taking place around you and you're being a servant to someone and that's your evangelism strategy. And in doing that, you get a chance to just share God's love with them and uh, hopefully and prayerfully be able to share the gospel with them. Not only is leadership and evangelism two of our habits, but our third habit that we unpacked was discipleship. Uh, How we've got to be growing our church family spiritually uh, in the Word of God. That we all have a better working knowledge of the Word of God today than we had yesterday. And we need to be growing in that area. And with that being said, our discipleship strategy is D6. Uh, and that's where everyone, and Brother Daniel's already shared with you earlier, and most of you already know this anyway, but every single Sunday school class that we have, from the nursery all the way to the senior citizens, they're all studying the very same biblical theme. That way, when the whole family gets in the car and leaves church today, you can interact together and talk about what you have studied together. Now, normally, I'll come along with that in the message and preach on that same theme in the worship set, so we leave here with that one theme on our mind. But for the sake of this message, I've broken away from that uh, for the time being. But discipleship is another habit. The fourth habit we talked about was worship and how we need to really connect in worship. And not only do we do that through our singing, we do that through any time we focus our attention on God. That is a time of worship, regardless of where we are, regardless of the setting. Uh, but we need to engage in true, heartfelt, spiritual worship. And the Word of God says those that Those that worship him must worship him how? In spirit and truth. 
in our spirits and with the truth of the Word of God uh, within the biblical principles that are laid out. So worship is very healthy for us, and uh, we want to try to concentrate on that particular habit. Also, the other habit we talked about last week was fellowship. That's where we connect one with another. We care for one another like family. And, and last week I talked about the different levels of fellowship, but that's very important. And, and let, let, just let me say this to all of our Sunday school classes. By the way, we've got some Sunday school class training coming up very soon. What's the date of that? On March the 24th, uh, for every Sunday school teacher as well as their apprentice, uh, we've got a training, uh, Sunday school leadership training class for you on that day. So please remember that. Um, but let's, let me say this to all of our teachers. It, it's not enough just to meet on Sunday morning. I think it's imperative that all of our classes are regularly having, having outings, that they're connecting, that they're sharing life together. Uh, just coming together on Sunday morning, that's great, that's good, that's just not enough, okay? Because people need to feel connected. They need to feel they're being ministered to. They need to feel they have someone they can share life with. And, we, and you really can't do that in a worship setting, but we can do it the way we have it broken down in all of our different classes. So I want to encourage all of our teachers, be sure you have your, your fellowship leader in place. Uh, we have all these different leaders within the Sunday school class that are supposed to be, offices are supposed to be filled there. But be sure your fellowship leader is, is stepping up to the plate and creating some opportunities for your class to get together because fellowship is so, so, so vitally important with a child of God. Would you agree? How many would agree that, that the workforce and the world out there is a pretty tough place to live? Amen. I mean, we, we get beat up out there sometimes, and, uh, and boy, it's just healthy, and it's just good to be able to come together with God's people and just fellowship one with another. So I hope and pray you'll create those opportunities within your class uh, to fellowship, okay? Habit number six that we're going to talk about today is ministry, and it's simply to serve. And uh, ministry, finding our place of service in the, in the church family. Uh, today, uh, we're going to unpack a little bit about ministry. Uh, there's some ministry opportunities to sign up for back on the back table. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But there needs to be a particular ministry that everyone in Victory Church is serving in. I mean, we've all got a particular place, and we're all needed. There's no big eyes and little use. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're coming together to, uh, to allow the Lord to work through us to build his church. So we all need to be connected in a particular ministry somewhere in the local church. Now, Brother Paul came up and shared with you one of the great passages of Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on the diversity of spiritual gifts and the diversity of ministries and the diverse parts and the diverse important parts of the body that, that are needed for the body to function and for the body to be healthy. Now, I'm not going to go and unpack everything in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, but I do want you to know this. We need everybody. I mean, the Scripture talks about how the, how the eye can't say to the hand or the nose, I don't need you. We, we need every part of the body working together to be a healthy, vibrant church. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, and I'm going to read out the New King James Version, it says this. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Guys, do you realize that every single one of us were made to serve? We were created to serve. The moment you accept Christ as your personal Savior, at that moment you receive at least one spiritual gift. At least one. Probably many more 
are in your heart and in your life, they're just laying in dormant form. It's seed form, dormant form. They're laying there, really not being used, really not being built, really not being encouraged, really not being watered, not being fed. And many of us have multiple talents and spiritual gifts within us. And I don't know that we're all using every single one of them. But here's what I want you to understand and know. You were made to make a contribution. I mean, you were created to make a contribution, not to just consume. You know, last week we talked about sitting and soaking in our spiritual spa and how it just wasn't fair to come together and sit and soak in the spiritual spa on Sunday morning and then leave and then roll back in here and sit and soak in the spiritual spa. I mean, we all have an area where we can serve. We were made, we were created to make a contribution. You see, it doesn't really matter how long you live. It matters how you live. Hello? A lot of times we're all, we're all consumed with keeping our bodies in great health so we can live for a long time. Now, I'm not against that. I just think it's being a good steward. I think it's being a good manager of our bodies. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I think we should take care of them on a stewardship principle, not so that I can just live longer. Hello? It doesn't matter how long you live. What really matters is how you live. How are we living out our life? Because at the end of the road, all that really matters, at the end of, at the end of the road, at the end of life, all that really matters is one, do I know Christ as my personal Savior? And two, have I loved my family and those people around me? Right? I mean, we, we get so caught up in other things in this world, a lot of times we miss the most important things. Have I loved people? And the, way, the only way that we can love God and the only way that we can serve God is to serve people. I want you to write that down. That's one of the things you need to write down. We serve God by serving others. We love God by loving others. As a matter of fact, I read on a church sign many years ago. I mean, many years ago. I saw this church sign. It was back in North Carolina, where I'm from. And this was, I was in my early 20s when I saw this, but it stuck with me. On the church sign at the First Baptist Church in Rutherford College, or the First United Methodist Church in Rutherford College, North Carolina, there was a, a sign that said this. On their church sign, the marquee said, You only love God as much as you love your neighbor the least. Wow. Think about that. You only love God as much as you love your neighbor the least. So think about that person that you love the least. That's a pretty good reflection of what your love for God really is. A lot of times we try to trick ourselves and fool ourselves into thinking we're this spiritual giant. And sometimes we need these reality checks. Hello? If I can't love my neighbor who I have seen, how can I love God whom I have not seen? Is what the scripture says. Right? And if we genuinely love people, we want to serve people. And we, if we genuinely love God, then, then we love Him. And if we want to serve God, then we must learn how to serve others. I want you to look in, in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10. Turn in your Bibles there. I'm going to be in a lot of different places this morning. As I try to share about three hours worth of material with you in about 20 minutes, okay? 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10. The scripture says, based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others. First Peter chapter four, verse number 10, based on the gift they have received, 
everyone should use it to serve others. Now, notice what it does not say. Based on the spiritual gift that you have received, everyone should use it. It does not say to go and make a lot of money. Guys, you realize now I'm not against you going to make a lot of money, right? Because then we're going to teach stewardship. That's the habit next week. And then you can tithe on that and we can get our church building built quicker. Hello? But here's, here's the point. A lot of times we take where we are gifted and we take the talents that we have. We take the abilities that we have. We take the things that we're passionate about. We take all those things that God has given to us and we run out to the secular world and think, how can I do all of these things in the secular world and make a lot of money? First Peter 4.10 says, God has given you a spiritual gift, not so you can go out and make a lot of money. He's given you those gifts. He's given you those talents. He's given you those abilities so that you in turn can turn right around and serve other people. Hello? Now, if you can serve other people and go out and make a lot of money, maybe that's okay. But keep it in the proper perspective. Okay? God's not gifted you with a brilliant mind. He's not gifted you with talents. He's not gifted you with all these abilities and these spiritual gifts just so you can go out and make a lot of money. He's gifted you with all of that, according to 1 Peter 4.10, so that you will serve other individuals. Whether in the church or outside the church, we are to be serving fellow man. Right? That kind of goes contrary to what the world teaches. The world teaches get to such a social status where people serve you. What a, what a boastful, prideful, egotistical, arrogant mindset to think that I want to get to the status where I have people serving me. Hello? I mean, don't, it just blows me away when people have that mindset. We were created for ministry. We were created to serve. Matter of fact, in Job chapter 10 and verse number 8, Job said this, Your hands shaped me and made me. The Lord's hand shaped me and made me. You go to the great lesson in the book of Jeremiah where, where, um, where God told him to go down to the, to the potter's house. And there you'll see the, the potter, the, the clay and the wheel and the potter and his hands are shaping those vessels. First Peter talks about how we should be vessels of honor. Guys, do you realize that God has shaped us and molded us into the person we are today? Not so we can just go out and gain a lot of popularity or make a lot of money. He's done that so that we could turn right around and serve others. Your talents, your abilities, your gifts are not necessarily for your benefit. They're for others. Let that sink in. Wow. I mean, that kind of goes against everything that our culture teaches us where it's all about me. You know, do whatever you got to do to make you happy. That's not what Scripture is all about. It's about selling out and dying out to self and serving Christ and loving God and serving Him. And the way that we love Him and serve Him is by loving people and serving people. So ministry is extremely, extremely important. Now, a lot of times whenever we mention ministry, people have sometimes a hard time understanding that word. 
Because a lot of times whenever we talk about a minister, we think about a pastor, or we think about a priest, or we think about the clergy. Do we not? I mean, if I say, call the minister, what are you going to do? You're going to call the church office, aren't you? I mean, that's just kind of what we think about. But guys, do you realize that every one of you are ministers? Do you realize that? We've all been called to serve, which is simply what ministry means. All of us are ministers. All of us are servants. Now, I'm not going to be able to get you the tax advantages and the tax breaks that ordained clergy ministers receive, thanks to the government. And I don't know how long, much longer those will last, but we'll take advantage of them while we can. But every single one of us are ministers. And every single one of us are to be servants. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look to your neighbor right now and say, you are a minister. Go ahead. Tell them. Tell them again. Tell the other side. Turn around. Look behind you. Tell them, you are a minister. Guys, do you realize? Every single one of us have been called to serve. Listen to what the Scripture says in Matthew chapter 20 and verse number 28. It says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. You see, we have an example. And the example we have is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where he said, he just did not come to be served, he came to serve. Now, I'm going to share with you in just a moment the shape profile. Where shape stands for your spiritual gifts, the letter S. H is your heart, what are you passionate about? A are your abilities. P is your personality. The letter E are your life experiences that you've gone through. All of that helps shape you to a particular area of ministry where you should be serving and where you serve probably most effectively and possibly where God has planned possibly for you to serve. But I don't want to talk too much about that right now. What I want to talk about is the attitude of a servant. The Scripture says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I want to talk about that attitude. How in the world can we learn to serve like Jesus? I want to share some things with you real quickly, so write this down. Number one, serving like Jesus means being available. Serving like Jesus just simply means we must make ourselves available. Guys, do you realize, and let me read the scripture to you, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 30, down through verse number 32. It says, there were two blind men sitting by the road. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd told them to keep quiet, but they cried out all the more. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. In verse 32, Jesus stopped. And he called them and he said, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if we are going to have the attitude of a servant, we must pick up the attitude of Jesus. We must have his mindset. Now, I want you to look in verse number 30. It says that Jesus was doing what? He was passing by. He had no intentions of stopping. That was not on his agenda. It was not on his to-do list. It was not in his day planner. It was not on his iCal calendar for the day. It did not hit the to-do list of the day. He was passing by that region. He wasn't planning on stopping. But as he was going, these two blind men called out to him many times, 
The crowd tried to suppress them and make them be quiet. They cried out even louder. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped. Now let that sink in, guys. If we are going to have the attitude of Jesus in service, then we must make ourselves available to the degree that we are willing to be interrupted. Do you realize that 90% of all ministry happens when you're interrupted? Hello? I mean, there's many things that we can intentionally set out to do. I'm going to go do my ministry today, and we block out a little bit of time, and we go do our ministry, and it kind of relieves all the guilt and relieves everything that makes us feel good, and whoo, and then we take off. Now I'm doing my thing. But guys, do you realize while you're doing your thing, there will be opportunities that will present themselves to you to interrupt your agenda, to interrupt your schedule, to interrupt your day, so that you can get connected and you can be involved in ministry so that you can serve other people. Matter of fact, think about Jesus and, and all the interruptions that he had. Do you remember his very first miracle that, he, that took place when he turned the water into wine? He wasn't there to work miracles. He wasn't there as the host. He wasn't there to serve. He was just at the festival. He was at the, the excitement of the party and he was just enjoying the marriage feast. The marriage. He was just having a good time. And he was interrupted in his fellowship and said, hey, we need you right now. And he did his very first miracle. On his way to Galilee was his second miracle. He was interrupted on the way. Almost every single miracle that Jesus did, he did it while he was being interrupted. And guys, if we are going to be used by God, if we are going to serve, we must be willing to be interrupted. Somebody say amen. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 28. Get a hold of this scripture. It says, don't say to your neighbor, go away and come back later and I'll give it tomorrow when it is there with you. You see, servant-hearted people, servant-minded people, they don't procrastinate. They don't put off to tomorrow what they can do today. If there is an opportunity to serve today, they're going to take advantage of it. And they're going to help meet that need. And they're going to serve today. They are spontaneous people. They are sensitive people. Whenever they see a need, okay, let's do something about it. How can I serve you today? Now, let me give you a few little barriers to this type of a mindset of making yourself available and being sensitive and being or allowing yourself to be interrupted. There's a couple barriers to that. Barrier number one is self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. That's a huge barrier to being used by God. That's a huge barrier to ministry. Self-centeredness. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Guys, do you realize that the number one enemy to ministry is busyness? And you're just so busy doing your thing and so focused on yourself and so, number. I mean, the big eyes on the throne and I've got my things I have to do today that's the number one enemy to ministry. And real servants don't mind being interrupted. Self-centeredness or selfishness will cause you or hinder you from being involved in ministry. Barrier number two, not only self-centeredness, but perfectionism. Perfectionism. You're just wanting everything to be perfect. You know, you say something like this. 
I would serve, and I'm planning on serving, and I'm going to get connected in ministry when this happens and that happens, when I can get this, when I can get more time, when I can get this behind me, when you're looking and waiting for that perfect scenario, that perfect time in your life, that's a barrier. Because you know what? You'll never, you'll never have a day on your calendar where you're completely wide open and completely free just to do ministry. There'll always be something competing against that. Hello? You've got to create time. And a barrier to that is perfectionism. When it's all just right, when things settle down, when this and that happens, then, oh, we have, preacher, we have, we have all intentions of getting involved in ministry. Oh, yeah, yeah, preacher, we're going to do that uh, just right now. You, you see, you're fooling yourself. You're not fooling God. He knows you're not made yourself available. And you may be trying to, and it may look all pretty on our side, but God looks right through that, and He sees your selfishness. He sees your self-centeredness. He sees your perfectionism. That when everything gets just right, then I'll serve. You'll never serve if you're going to wait for that day. Hello? There'll always be issues. In the midst of that, we're to be involved in ministry. Ecclesiastes 11.4, listen to this verse. The one who watches the wind will not sow. And the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. I think I'll sow today. Uh, no, wind's blowing, clouds aren't right. I'll just go back in the house. Well, it's time to sow. And you better get in the ground now if you're going to reap a harvest. I will. I'm, I'm planning on it. Just not today. Elements aren't right. I'll go out tomorrow. Huh? No. Wind's not blowing the right way. Clouds overhead. Soil's a little damp. I'll wait till tomorrow. And they keep putting off and putting off and procrastinating and procrastinating until finally it's too late to sow. And so that, now they quickly try to throw something in the ground. But when harvest time comes, they look over at their neighbor and they're reaping in a bountiful harvest and their little plot of land's barely even growing. Why? Because he just decided to, to, to sow the seed regardless of what it looked like. It's just, we got to get the seed in the ground. And they got the seed in the ground. And now they're reaping a bountiful harvest. This individual over here is waiting for a perfect time. And now they've lost the harvest. Do you see the point I'm trying to make? Guys, if you wait for a perfect season in your... If you wait till everything's just right in your little life... Now, preacher, I'm planning on serving. I'm going to get involved in ministry. I want, I want to do that, but right now I'm dealing with blah, 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 blah. That's just excuse, 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 excuse. And you're not going to serve. And you're going to be missing a tremendous blessing. Are you all with me this morning? I don't, I'm not trying to be real hard, but I'm just trying to be truthful. Because I think it's important that we get involved in ministry. Another barrier to, to the attitude of, um, of being, or allowing ourselves to be interrupted, being available, is materialism. In Luke 16 and 13, it says, No servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, a lot of times people are, are out there chasing the almighty dollar, and you've got to decide if you want to be rich or if you want to be blessed. That's the decision that you've got to make. You've got to decide who you're going to serve. You can't serve them both. You've got to ask, am I going to be a kingdom builder working in God's kingdom? Or am I going to be a wealth builder working in my own kingdom? And that's a decision that you've got to make. 
Okay? Serving like Jesus, secondly, not only must you be available, you must also be grateful. Serving like Jesus means being grateful. In John chapter 11, Jesus prayed this prayer out loud. In John 11, 41 through 42, it says, So they removed the stone, and then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, listen to what he said, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so they may believe that you sent me. Jesus always had an attitude of gratefulness. He was always grateful to the Father. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul had the same attitude. He said, I thank Jesus Christ because he trusted me and he gave me this work of serving him. And the Bible talks about our attitude of gratefulness over many, many times. But Psalm 100 in verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Why are we to be grateful? What are we to be grateful for? Guys, listen. Let me tell you the number one reason why I serve. Because he saved me. Because I was a lost, filthy, wretched sinner on my way to a devil's hell. And someone shared with me the love of Christ and the gospel message of Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. And now out of a grateful heart, I I just want to give back to him for all the many wonderful things he's done for me. First of all, saving me and dying for me. When I was unlovable, he loved me. And guys, we ought to serve, out of, if nothing less, or nothing more, out of a heart of, of gratefulness. And that's what Paul was writing about in 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. If for no other reason we should serve, simply because we're grateful that he saved us. A couple barriers to that. Jot these down real quickly. I'm not going to elude or spend much time on them. But comparing and criticizing, if we're always comparing ourselves and criticizing, that always gets in the way of gratefulness. Romans 14 and verse number 4. Who are you to criticize another's household slave before his own Lord he stands or falls? Listen, guys. The key to having an ungrateful heart is always looking around and see maybe how God is blessing somewhere else and start criticizing or comparing ourselves with that. Whenever we start comparing, it leads to a heart of criticism, which leads to tremendous ungratefulness. It will rob you of your joy. It will rob you of your service to the Lord. So don't worry about comparing. Don't compare this ministry with another ministry. Don't compare this church with another church. Don't compare this and that and the other. Why? We're all on the same team, right? We ought to pray for the church down the road that God blesses them. And I hope in turn they're praying for us that God is blessing us. We're on the same team. We're not in competition, okay? And within our church, don't look around at different families here and there and and, and compare yourself. The Bible says that is not wise whenever we start doing that. Okay, that leads to a heart of ungratefulness. And then also, a barrier to gratefulness is wrong motives. Having the wrong motive for serving. In Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1, it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people. To be seen by them, otherwise you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You see, some wrong motivation for service is, is just showing off. There's no room for that in the church. Hello? That self-promotion, that showing off, and servanthood, those things don't mix. All right? So how do I know that I, if I have a wrong motive? The answer lies in, are you grateful? Are you serving out of a heart of gratitude? That's the motive check. That's where we check our hearts. Why are we doing what we're doing? I just love the Lord. You know, if you want to do this, come on, I'll go do something. I just want to serve. You know, that's kind of the motive you're looking for. 
in our, in our own heart and in our own life. Serving like Jesus, number three, not only being available, not only being grateful, but being faithful. Well, what does that mean? It means you don't give up. It means you don't quit. It means you keep on keeping on. Now, guys, I promise you, I've seen people get real excited about ministry, even here in our church. I mean, I've been here 11 years. I've seen a lot of things in 11 years. <laughs> Daryl, I've seen a lot of things in 11 years. And I've seen people get just gung-ho excited. Whew! I'm going to get in there and do that ministry. And then they get in there. In the first few weeks, they're all excited. Everything's going great. And then, they just, and then it starts fizzling out. The next thing you know, they're out. They're not in ministry. They're back sitting down. What happened? What in the world happened? They just weren't faithful. You know, the Bible says that a steward is to be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. And guys, we just got to decide in our heart, I'm going to do this. This is what God's called me to do. This is, because I promise you, the devil, Satan himself, is going to try everything in his power to discourage you. And he's going to try to knock you down. And he's going to try to get you discouraged. And I've seen him win that little battle far away too many times. Don't let that happen to you. Just purpose in your heart. And by the way, in Daniel 1.8, purpose in your heart. That he would not defile himself with the king's meat and the king's wine. And by the way, whenever Daniel, at about 18 years old, made that decision that he was not going to eat, eat the king's food or drink the king's wine, he made that decision before he got in that situation. And every single one of us need to make that decision that we are going to be faithful, that we're going to serve the Lord, that we're going to get involved in ministry, that we're going to do our part. We need to make that decision before the enemy attacks, before the temptation is there, before the hard times come. Just purpose in your heart. That you are going to serve the Lord. Okay? So I want to encourage you to be faithful in ministry. Now here's, here's how we're going to close out this service. This is more of a practical message than, than uh, maybe anything else. And I'm talking about, primarily talking about to Christians and to believers. I want you to take out this shape profile that I gave you this morning. And here's one of the things I want you to write down. At the top of this, I want you to write down this date. March 21. For you military guys, that's 21 March. Okay, I don't know if you can get, it, know if you can work the opposite way there, but you know, 21 March. For everybody else, it's March 21st. Okay, that's a Sunday afternoon. That's five o'clock. That's what 1700 hours. 1721 March. Is that how you guys do it? You do 21 March, 1700. Anyhow, you, you got me. Okay. 5 o'clock, Sunday afternoon, March the 21st, that is class 301. And I want to encourage every single person here to sign up for that class. You say, where will we have it? If we get more people that we can fit in that office, I'll rent a conference room down at the local jury inn or something. But I would love to see every single person in this room sign up for that class. You say, well, I've taken it. You need to take it again. Every single person needs to take it. Even those that have already taken it need to take it again. Sometimes we just need a refresher. Now, in this class, we, we're going to go over a lot of the different uh, teachings and principles in the Word of God about ministry, about spiritual gifts, about talents. We'll share with you the ministries available at Victory Church. You will get a shape profile. We'll kind of go over that a little bit. But we're, kinda, we're going to put the cart before the horse on this one. Now, I want you to open up. This is a shape profile that 
you normally get at the end of class 301, and we send it home with you as homework. But I decided I'm going to get out of the box on this one. We're going to do things a little bit different. Is that okay? Those that know me long enough know that's okay. That's kind of how we do it, all right? Here's what we want you to do. Now, if you open it up at the very beginning of it, put your name, address, contact information, email, get all that information on there. We need all of that. You'll see it says spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, I believe I have from list on syllabus. Now, that is from the class, okay? So if you think you already know what your spiritual gifts are, go ahead and put them on there. If you don't, just leave that part blank. And whenever we meet with you, we'll help you through that session or section there. And then whenever you take class 301, you have a better understanding of that, okay? Where I really want you to concentrate on is heart. This is what I have a heart for or what motivates me the most. Now, it says a list from a syllabus. That's kind of a, an example of some ministries, but that, that's totally irrelevant. What, what really excites you? Now, whenever we're talking about your shape, spiritual gifts, your heart, what does the heart mean? It means what are you passionate about? I mean, what do you really love to do? Now, I'll just use Eldon as an example. I know what Eldon is passionate about. His passion... And what drives him since the very first day that I met him was a desire to teach the Bible. I know that's probably up there in his top five, if not number one in his heart and his passion is to teach the scripture, to teach the Bible, to teach the Bible. What is your passion? Now, it could be outside the church, but what is it that really excites you? All right. I want you to list those there. Number four under heart. I want you to look at this. If I knew I could not fail, if I knew I couldn't fail, this is what I would attempt to do for God with my life. That is a tremendous question. And I want you to think about that one. If you knew that you could not fail at this, if you knew that money was not an option, if you knew you would not stumble and fall, that you would be a number one success in this area of ministry, what would you do for God? Now remember, it's not for myself. It's not to make a lot of money for myself. It's service. It's ministry. What would I do for God if I knew that I would not fail in doing it? I want you to work on that. The letter A talks about abilities. These are just things that you do. Write in there what your current job is. Other jobs or skills that you have. I feel like I specialize in these abilities. Anywhere it says list in, uh, from list and syllabus, you're not going to have that. So just kind of fill in some things there until we can work with you on that. I've taught a class or a seminar on and write what that is. I feel most, uh, my most valuable personal asset is write it on there what you think it is. That's your natural abilities that you just have, okay? And then the letter P talks about your personality. It's very important that we connect you in a ministry that corresponds with your personality. For instance, if you are an extreme introvert, I mean, when you get, a, when you get around a crowd, you just come inside. We don't want you on the greeter team. Hello? Right? We want the extrovert on there. We want people that are excited that can just reach out and talk to people. And, hey, welcome to Victory Church today. I mean, so we want to try to place you in ministry in, a, in something that reflects your personality. Okay? So go through there and, and fill that out. And then the next page, if you will, where it says experiences. Talk a little bit about your spiritual journey. This is how and when I became a Christian and what it's meant to me since then. And times when I felt closest to God, meaningful spiritual experiences that stand out in my mind. 
Then I want you to think a little bit about some of your painful experiences. Now, just let me pause right here. I want you to understand that once you fill out this shape profile, I want to ask you to either bring it by the office or mail it into the office. And then we are going to, I'm going to look at this, and then Mike, which is our ministry leader, will look at this. And then we are going to set up an interview with you. And we want to have an interview one-on-one with every individual that fills out a shape profile. And there we want to help encourage you and help you get placed into a particular ministry that meets your shape. Okay? Now, I'll be honest with you. I've done numerous shape profile interviews. And whenever I get here and start reviewing some of these painful experiences, it's a very tender moment in the interview. I've had people break down and just weep uncontrollably about that. And, you know, that's okay. Matter of fact, I think there's great ministry that takes place when we're able to share that with someone and embrace each other and pray over that thing and continue to give that thing to the Lord. Because, guys, you want me to tell you something? Behind every single face here, there's a heartache. There's something every single one of us. Now, we come in on Sunday morning, we put our smile on, we, we, we kind of look good, and, but down in our hearts... There's something that's hurting us. We've been hurt. We've been through some pain. We've got some painful experiences. And I think it's important to unpack those because the book of Corinthians teaches that your most painful experience may just turn out to be your greatest ministry here on this earth. So don't suppress that pain to the point that you just tuck it away and put it in the back closet and never talk about it. God's brought you through some things so that He can use what you've gone through to turn right around and help somebody else that possibly may be going through that or you could help them not to go through that. Don't suppress those painful experiences in your life. Don't tuck them away and to never be thought of again. I'm I'm serious. Some of your greatest ministry will come from that. And we want to unpack that a little bit in this. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. We're going to put on some music. This is a practical Sunday, okay? We're going to put on a little bit of music, softly. I want you right now to start with, if you think you know what your spiritual gifts are, I want you to write those on there. But I want you to focus primarily on H, A, and P. Your heart, your abilities, and your personalities. Those three I want us to start on right now. And then I want you to take this home with you. And sometime within this week coming, I want you to do letter E, the experiences. And I want you to unpack that a little bit. Have, have some God and odd time and just get along with the Lord and, and fill that part in. And then, um, and then I want you to bring this in, mail it in or bring it in. And then we want to set up interviews with you guys so that we can kind of touch and have an interview with everybody in our church and try to get everyone placed in ministry. Okay? So go ahead right now, if you will. Go ahead and start on the letter H, A, and P. And fill those out, and we'll just give you a minute or so here to get started, just so you have an idea of what it's like. And then I want to encourage you to complete it later in the week. So just take a minute or so here.